Hello, this is Mike. Hey, Mike. Suzanne Delvanco calling from Catalyst for Payment Reform. How are you? Hey, Suzanne. I'm great. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty well. I wanted to chat with you today about pharmacy and what's going on in that space, since I know you work on that a lot. But before we get into it, I just wanted to warn you, we've got an audience listening into us, and I thought it would be helpful for them if you could introduce yourself. Well, sure. So I'm Mike Stahl. I'm the Chief Marketing Officer at Employers Health, which is a employer-led coalition that was founded in Ohio, and it now has, we have member organizations in 34 different states, and one of the things that we're most known for is our collective purchasing programs for pharmacy benefits, and our clients, which include about 225 plan sponsors, have been working together to purchase pharmacy for over the past 20 years. So that's why I'm calling you on this topic, since I know you have focused a lot about it. So let's start with just the basic question. Why are employers spending more and more on pharmacy these days? Yeah, it's a, it's a good question and, and something that, that we're constantly trying to look at. And, and I think, you know, at a very high level, it's, it's not necessarily utilization that's driving higher costs. It's the type of utilization. So we're seeing an increase in the number of specialty drugs that our employers are paying for. And obviously, the price points associated with uh, particularly those specialty drugs continue to go higher and higher. And so I think, you know, that those, you know, specialty, everybody wants to talk about specialty, and it's really, you know, increased utilization in, in that bucket and also the price points at which drugs are being launched and the incidence or I guess the frequency of price increases that are being taken by, by some of the manufacturers. I'd say that's, that's the big driver of cost today. And just in case anyone doesn't know what specialty drugs are, can you give a good definition of them? Yeah, so the, the definition varies by, by PBM, and it's, it's one of the tricks that are out there in the industry in terms of, you know, the, the different PBMs have different definitions. They have different lists in terms of what they consider a specialty drug. But for the most part, it's a, a high-cost drug that typically is biologic in nature, so it's made from a living organism versus a chemical compound. Typically may require some sort of special handling, such as being temperature controlled, or requires some sort of patient monitoring and reporting back to the FDA in terms of outcomes from the drug. Some of these I know can be life-saving and life-changing for people, so there's this you know, tension mounting around the fact that you know, employers want their employees and their family members have access to these drugs. But as you mentioned, with the costs rising, it creates a question of affordability and sustainability over the long term. You know, the other area besides specialty drugs that I've heard is contributing to increasing spending is also what's happening in the generic space. Can you speak to that a little bit? Yeah. So if we're, if we're talking about traditional generic drugs, I mean, I think, you know, Traditional generics typically account for around 20% of an employer's pharmacy spend. There is a lot of opportunity to bring down those costs. You know, most PBM contracts are 
pricing generics, you know, on an overall basis off of average wholesale price as a as a pricing benchmark. And there, there's just no correlation between average wholesale price and the actual dollars and cents price of a of a generic drug. And so that creates a huge opportunity for PBMs to to make spread on those generic medications. So it's certainly a, an opportunity, but again, some one of the things that a lot of employers struggle with is it's only 20% of my spend, so how much leverage am I going to use or how much of my negotiating leverage am I going to use in order to to move the market in terms of coming up with a new way to, to negotiate for those drugs? If we're talking about specialty biosimilars or specialty generics, but, but we'll stick with biosimilars. You know, typically at a lower list price, launched at a lower list price than the the legacy brand drug, the problem really gets into to formulary and, and rebate guarantees. So if it's a lower list price, it probably has a lower rebate on it. And if you're a PBM that has three years of rebate guarantees with your, your clients, you may not be incentivized to, to put that on your formulary or to cover that drug on your formulary. So it certainly inhibits the uptake of, of those biosimilars. So I know this space is unbelievably complicated. So what can employers do to contain their spending in this area? Yeah, I think, you know, one of the kind of the, the first things is just plan design and making sure that, you know, plan design is, is set up in a way that makes the drugs that people should be taking affordable for them while potentially not covering lifestyle medications or you know some of the some of the high cost drugs that we know have very low clinical value so the Duexis and the Vimovo you know there was a story on 60 minutes about Evzio and AviQ which are you know AviQ is an epinephrine product that costs $4500 versus EpiPen which costs 600 and we were screaming about, as a country, we were screaming about the price of EpiPen at 600 and now AviQ's out there hitting plans for four to $5,000. So it's making sure that those types of, of drugs are, are not being covered by the plan. That gets into clinical management. It gets into step therapy, and to some extent, it gets into formulary. Contracting, so I think contract terms within PBM agreements play just as big of a part because, you know, you can negotiate the best discounts off of the average wholesale price or the best rebate or the best fee, but if, if you don't have airtight definitions in your contract that decide, you know, what, what drugs get applied or what, what drugs those discounts apply to, then, you know, you, you're, you really haven't done yourself any favors. Formulary and clinical management Again, I, I, I just say that, you know, drug mix plays just a bigger role in terms of overall cost, determining overall cost as the price point. So making sure you understand, you know, what's being covered, what's not being covered on the formulary. And then from a clinical management perspective, it's, it's not just, you know, what are the clinical criteria that determines who gets the drug, but I think it's also, is the PBM or is the third party actually applying those clinical criteria in an appropriate manner? And then the last point is, it, it gets down to volume. So it's, it's price points. 
So the, the bigger you are in, in this industry, the more leverage you have in the marketplace. It's a consolidating marketplace. So employers are, are losing leverage every day that they're out there on their own. And pharmacies are looking for ways to consolidate. The insurers and PBMs are consolidating. Wholesalers are consolidating. Specialty pharmacies are consolidating. So the entire supply chain is consolidating. And, and, and I think that's why we've had a lot of success here. And I think you see from a coalition perspective or a PBM collective perspective, you see a lot of employers moving in that direction. Because at the end of the day, in the market that we're in today, it's very much volume driven. And so, you know, those price points mean a lot. Speaking of the PBM, is that model broken or is it, you know, not to make a pun, you know, redeemable? Because people point fingers in every direction when it comes to pharmacy and the expense today. But what about the PBM? What, what's broken about it and what do you think could be fixed? Yeah, I, I think everybody agrees that the rebate system is broken. It's, it's gotten completely out of control in terms of the just pure disparity between the list price and the net price of drugs. And so, you know, the concept of a rebate, I, I, I like the concept, right? I, I, as a plan sponsor, can negotiate directly with the manufacturer for additional discounts off their list price of the drug. Otherwise, I would have to push back on the retail pharmacy. I'd have, they'd have to push back on the wholesaler. They'd have to push back on the manufacturer. So I like the idea of being able to negotiate directly with, with the manufacturer. But, but clearly, the lack of transparency and, and just the gap has gotten out of control. And I, I think most everyone agrees that, that that's the case. So now it's just a matter of, you know, what, what do you do going forward? And, and how do you put the pieces together so that it, it, makes, it makes sense? Some people have said, you know, get rid of rebates entirely. You know, then, then it becomes a matter of, well, what's the incentive, you know, in the marketplace to, you know, keep list prices low? If you get rid of rebates, are we just going to see a reset of list prices and then they continue to go up? Because it's, it, the drug price inflation isn't new. I think we can look back into the, the 80s and 90s and, and read articles about uh, drug price inflation. So I think the rebates are, are certainly an area where it needs fixed. And it's something that I, I know a lot of the PBMs are, already have solutions that they're starting to roll out. And then you talked a little bit about the formulary, you know, controlling what's in, what's out. Does this, do you think the solution really lies there? Well, it's a big part of it in terms of, you know, making sure that, that you know, we, I mean, I mean, a lot of formulary strategy is, you know, in reaction to either something that the manufacturers are doing or, you know, prescribing habits by physicians. And, and I'll tell you that, that that piece of it, the prescribing habits by physicians, doesn't get talked about nearly enough in terms of why drug costs are, are also going up. But, but I would say that the plan sponsor has to be willing to work with the PBM in terms of modifying the formulary. So if we want to go to a lower list price or a lowest net cost formulary, employers have to get away from incentivizing PBMs through their consultant spreadsheet to give them the biggest rebate guarantee possible. Because that's the way most employers are, are buying PBM today, right? 
they put the consultant spreadsheet out there, and then they look to see who gives me the highest rebate, who gives me the highest discounts. And there are so many games that go on behind the scenes to make those numbers look higher. So if an employer really wants to go lowest net cost, they have to be willing to step away from kind of that addiction to rebates uh, that I think a lot of employers have and say, okay, I understand if I'm going to, you know, uh, Harvoni, you know, just uh, Gilead just launched uh, authorized generic for Harvoni, you know, it's the difference between 94000 for a course of treatment and what, 24000 or so. So it's a $70,000 gap between the list price and the net price. Well, if you want to cover the authorized generic, you're going to have to renegotiate with the PBM your rebate guarantees because they're expecting $70,000 when they set your guarantees for the next three years. And if you take that out of the equation, you're going to have to reset those rebate levels. And it's just something that a lot of employers have have not been willing to do. And so I think it's going to take, formulary does play a very big part, and I think it's going to take employers getting getting off of the rebate addiction, uh, per se, to, to see a lot of, of changes in the way that formularies are designed. Because they're designed today, a lot of people point at the PBM, um, but they're really designed today based on how employers are buying PBM services today. Mike, you shared a lot of really helpful insights. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk today. My pleasure, Suzanne.